Oh, so good to be together. I love you, family. And um, yeah, the, thank you for giving and being a part of what God's doing in South Africa. Julie and I have the privilege of being on the oversight team. So we go there once a year. We'll be going there in February to give prayer and coaching and encouragement to those guys on the front lines working uh, there. And there was just tears and celebration that they got to purchase their second home for boys coming out of gangs and drugs. And guys, it's, it's unbelievable um, what the Lord's doing. So thank you for that. Keep, continue to pray for Tree of Life there in Manenburg and for Julie and I as we coach and support them. Um, I am uh, I'm a bundle of emotions around this message. What else is new, though, in some ways? <clears throat> I feel um, extremely excited. I feel vulnerable about it. Um, I feel slightly nervous. I feel this deep longing in my heart. And uh, so with all those emotions in one little body, I'm just trusting that Colossians 1 is true. He holds all things together by the word of his power. <laughs> because I, I may explode otherwise. It's nice to be with you, the ones who love me most. Um, honestly, in these moments, it's not some place I have to perform and I never have to perform. But it's great when I know that I'm with family and that I'm talking to those who love me and that that we're with one another in this journey, this wild journey of following Jesus. So Holy Spirit, I don't want words that only touch the mind. I would like if you would speak today to the heart. I would love it if you would bring forth your life in the deepest places of our heart. May my words and my meditations bring you glory and honor. I pray you would guide this time and just do beautiful things in our lives as we walk into 2020 as a prayerful family on mission. Amen. I've gotten to reflect over 2019 a little bit, and um, quite possibly the wildest year we've ever had as a family, hey? <laughs> Did anyone see that coming? 2019, that we would be called to surrender everything without knowing. And the big word was follow the cloud. Follow the cloud. A year ago, uh, about this date, I preached a message on faith. I could barely preach it, so I just wrote a poem about faith. And I don't know if any of you remember that, but I had a sense that what was coming was going to require radical trust, and not just for where we would meet on Sundays, although God wouldn't tell us that at that time, but for all the stuff that is written in the scriptures that we could actually be followers of Jesus. And I, I confess that I needed faith more for what was revealed than what I didn't know, faith to love my neighbor and faith to have a heart that bleeds and breaks for the poor and faith to fight for, for racial injustice and faith to, to care about what cares, God cares about and faith to be kind and to serve my wife every day and my children and, and, and to come free of any places of anxiety or anger. Faith, faith for all that is revealed. And if I look back on this year, I just want to say, guys, we have walked in such 
beautiful trust. Such beautiful trust of the Father. And I just want to say, well done. Well done for walking in faith. God said, follow a cloud. And we're like, what the heck does that mean? And we still don't fully know. It's been a wild ride trusting God each step of the journey. I had it in my heart as I was looking out. I was just standing over the side and just saying, I I actually wish I could sit with every single individual and just impart encouragement into your heart. And I was like, okay, that's impossible. But then I, I just felt the Lord say, that's actually what's in my heart. There is someone who can do that. The Holy Spirit can actually sit with every single one of you and just impart courage and say, well done. Well done over 2019. What a wild ride 2019 was. I want to rehearse the synopsis of that story and remember God's goodness. We sang about God's goodness. And it's for those of us who went on this wild ride and for some new faces I see here, welcome. We are happy that you're with this crazy family, even if it's just for a night. Hopefully we don't scare you away. We're glad you're here. And I want to give some recap of of what the Lord has done in us in the last year, hopefully for encouragement. But I also want to share a little bit about 2020 and what we're sensing the Spirit saying to Nava as we participate in God's kingdom in Kansas City. I believe what God did in us in 2019 will enable us to participate in what God wants to do in 2020. I believe that every moment of the journey won't be wasted, but that, and I believe this is for your individual life, but also for us as a family, that he took us on a very unique journey in 2019 to prepare or allow us, enable us to participate in what he wants to do in this city in 2020. My deep conviction in 2020 is that God aims to utterly revive the church of Kansas City. That you cannot say gospel without saying the word revival. Because he took a man who was dead in a tomb and brought him back to life again. The nature of the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God, is that God takes dead things and disappointed things and dormant things and he brings them back to life. He can do no other. It is who he is. I believe that God wants to revive the church, not ultimately just to revive the church, but to awaken a city. To renew and awaken a city. That God's heart breaks for the city of Kansas City. And um, I'm hopeful that today's message will be both personal and for all of us. And our core team's conviction is that the Lord wants to work in Nava in such a way that he can prepare the way for what he wants to do. It's not just Nava, thankfully, that gets to prepare the way, but I believe it's any hungry or thirsty heart that is willing to say yes to whatever he wants. God told us as Nava that 
The new wineskin is not some way or form of how we gather as the church. The new wineskin is a family fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit. A people who will just let God be God. A people who will let him do whatever he wants to do, and their heart would be yes, even if they're terrified of what he said. (laughs) I'm often terrified of what God says. And usually my first inclination is unbelief. But man, my heart is yes. I think God's marked us in 2019 and it'll enable us to participate in what he wants to do in 2020. God has led us into the wilderness. I love this picture. Into the wilderness. What we thought at first was random or maybe God just wanting to to kind of see if we would move with him and we left PlexPod without any knowledge of what that would mean or why, I think we're starting to realize was with great divine intention that we would be able to participate in what God wants to do in a city. The reason I say it feels vulnerable is as I'm cracking open this word revival I myself have put that word in a grave for about 15 years. Never in my heart, but in what I've seen it do in terms of sensationalism or hype. I don't want hype. And so it feels vulnerable to even wonder, would God want to do something like I've read about in the scripture, like I've read about down through the ages, would he want to do it again in our day? My heart says back, do it again, God. I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. In our time, do it again, God. This journey's been wild, and I think we're just beginning 2019 was profound. I remember the the launching out. We went to a family retreat. We didn't know it was coming next out at Prairie Star in Williamsburg, Kansas. And I decided to actually preach the first message on revival that I had ever preached in the history of our church. Deeply, I had prayed for it for almost 20 years, but I hadn't ever wanted to go public because of what I've said. And March 31st, I decided to preach the first message on it. I had had an encounter a year before that where, quite honestly, out of nowhere in Hurley's living room, who was leading worship with our whole worship team there, I just had a sovereign meeting with God. The fire of God's presence was on my body. I began to groan and travail for over an hour. I can't really totally even explain to you, but it was the most powerful meeting with God I had had in a decade. Maybe you've only had two other ones like that since I was 17. And I decided to share that story. And it was amazing because Katie was there praying for me in that time. She had had a dream the night before. And, um, and I went through that travailing process and even that sense of, oh my gosh, it feels like something's being born here. Hurley declares, it's revival. And I was like, don't say that word. 
I don't really care what you want to call it. I met the love of God so profoundly. Like In that season, I was coming out of disappointment, deep disappointment. Our whole church was in lament. We had many losses. Many got sick. And God encountered me in that place. He revived the dead places. He awakened hope that was lost. March 31st, this last March, as we were getting ready to go out, uh, I was going to preach that message that morning, but God beat me to it, and Katie's baby was born as a sign and a wonder that morning of all mornings. Just absolutely blew my mind. A year earlier, we had had the encounter, and then a year later, the sign and a wonder. And for those of you who know the Egley's journey, it was a baby and so much more. And God began to move that morning before I could even get out the message. David stands up and says, National Geographic has said top 25 cities to visit in the world, and Kansas City's one of them. That's a sign and a wonder, number one. Like, obviously, they haven't been to Kansas City. Um, And they said, why come to Kansas City? And the, the, in quotations, to revel in revival. Revel in revival. So I didn't even get to get my message out, and God had already blown the cover, you know? (laughs) Happens. And we had a really wonderful sense of God's presence. People wept, and they were encountered and met, and just thought, what kind of journey are we going on? This is going to be incredible, you know? What does God have for us in this place? And I went back, and I journaled, a little thing after that, and I heard the father just say, this revival, it's my desire. Let's have fun. To revel in something's to roll around in it. It's not something you're able to produce. It's something you just have to agree with, right? He said, I'll be the wind, soar. I'll be the fire, burn. I'll be the river flow. You be my dust, and I'll animate you with my breath. I absolutely adore you. And this family, Nava, I like this part. Well, the angels and the saints are all talking. Let's just say we're excited, really excited. Just keep in step. I'll help you. You can't mess it up. No pressure, just pleasure. And I had to remind myself of that a lot. Sometimes you feel this thing so deep and you almost feel like you're responsible for it, but what a joke. God is sovereign. He is Lord over all. His plans and his purposes are unsearchable. What has he prepared for this city? He called us out. I'll do a short recap of the journey. He called us to an amphitheater in Grandview. We're just a couple hundred people. That's a 5,000-seater. It was ridiculous. He called us there for one day. The cloud stopped for one day to show us he can gather the church of a city in a moment to pray for revival, just to show us that this whole journey would be miraculous and we couldn't figure out what he was going to do. It was beautiful. The cloud moved. He called us to Lee Summit to a church called New Beginnings. Maybe a prophetic name. (laughs) 
It was a new beginning for us, a new way to walk with him, a new way to trust him, and maybe it was even a new beginning for many in that church as well. We saw the Holy Spirit move in hearts from the senior pastor through the worship team through a lot of the members of the church still getting reports of different things God was doing there. But God was marking us. It's a new beginning, a new way to walk with him. After several months there and we wanted to only stay for two, but the pastor had a dream. But he said, I don't have dreams, but he had a dream that we should stay a month longer. So when you're following a cloud, you just stay a month longer if he says to. So we stayed a month longer, and it was in that month God brought the breakthrough. Go figure. When you listen to the Lord, it's helpful. And then we felt to go to the middle of the city to a place called the Garment House. Maybe another prophetic name. Wonderful. We didn't know why. We just knew we were to step back from serving another church for a moment. And when we got there, it was on the view. It was three days before the mayor of Kansas City was set in, and we were there praying over that very purpose. And God began to speak to us in that garment house about clothing us with garments. Isaiah 52 says, awake, awake, put on your strength, be clothed with beautiful garments. And the Lord began to speak to us, Nava, I called you to be a priestly people. Put on your garments that I gave you in the gospel and begin to intercede for what I want. He called us to 40 days of fasting and prayer to go lower slower. And many of us got off of social media, and we prayed house to house to house. People turned prayer rooms. I mean, their spare rooms into prayer rooms. They turned their Airbnbs into prayer Airbnbs. They put tents up in the backyard. Nights of prayer were covered. It was beautiful what God did in the garment house. And then, the God, and then we felt the Spirit speak again, and we got an invitation from this place here, Colonial Presbyterian. The senior pastor had had an encounter with God, and he welcomed us in. And I believe Colonial has been a beautiful time of realizing the church, once again, is bigger than us and coming into some sense of a new heart of unity. The morning we gathered here, multi-generational, very different theological expressions, and yet was not the presence of God in this place as we gathered. It was such a beautiful time. I believe there's more to come with Colonial. If I can say, I believe God has a call in this church to burst into revival. I don't know all that that means, but I'm just going to speak it out. If I'm wrong, Lord, help. It's God's heart. I believe God has something profound for this congregation and the historic role they've played. In 2019, we went from seven home churches to 25 home churches. The church woke up and every part started doing its work, everyone making disciples, everyone choosing the rhythms of prayer, everyone shepherding one another, everyone encouraging, praying for neighbors. I love it. Lord, pour out your spirit because if you do, there'll be no building to pour it out on. All there will be is our everyday lives and our homes. If there's revival, God, let it not just be church meetings. If there's revival, let it be an all-of-life reviving where Jesus is Lord of my work, of my everyday eating and living and going about. Oh, that you would not just revive the church, but you would renew the culture. Yeah? 
home churches. It's been beautiful what God's done. So I love it because a lot of our movements have not been led by the core team, but by one of our home churches. So I get to tell you the update on the fall of the cloud story. You guys have been praying, and I believe God has moved profoundly. So one of our home churches has been praying for over two years for a person of peace. They've been crying out to God. They live in a cross-cultural neighborhood where they're asking God, would you bring a breakthrough and would you bring a person of peace? For longer than that, maybe four years before that, they've been seeking God for homes and God did that miracle and then they started praying for people of peace and they started praying specifically for a church building that was across the street and the people who are part of it. They saw a big sign go up and it, it said English service starting and they started to pray. One of the leaders of that home church was in the grocery store, and he's talking about his many children with the cashier. It's Joseph Lolly, as he would be. And as he's talking about all his kids, a voice from the back of the line says something to the effect of, I've got a bunch of kids too, and just jumps into the conversation. Lo and behold, it's the pastor of the church that they've been contending and praying for. Crazy. So this guy's name is Dieter Aguilera, and he is a beautiful, beautiful soul. So Joseph says to Dave and I, man, you got to come meet this guy. So we go over, hang out with him, and we fall in love very quickly. <laughs> this guy is absolutely humble, and that was the first impression that came off about him. He's a Mexican descent pastor of a Latino congregation. He is bicultural, bilingual, and so hilarious. He's filled with Jesus, and we could smell the fresh scent of tamales wafting up from the downstairs, which wasn't fair at all. He ended up taking us on a tour of his building, and they gave us fresh tamales right after they had been made. It was like, it was the glory, most glorious thing ever. David, you should have seen David. He was just beside himself. We walked into their large gathering space, which seats about 800, and immediately I just had this impression that not only could Nava potentially come here, but I think the whole city, Pray KC Worship Night, should come here. So first date, I drop this with Dieter, and he goes, just bring the city. <laughs> Lo and behold, some of his closest friends, or some of my closest friends, yet we'd never met. He's a person of peace, not only for this home church, but for the pastors and leaders of the whole Latino community of Kansas City, Kansas. They have a congregation of about 300 Spanish-speaking service at 1 p.m. on Sunday and an English-speaking service on 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. And we got to talking. Our teams began to pray and discern. We felt the Lord say it was a full, beautiful green light. Dieter called me with crazy joy, and he's like, the board says it's unanimous. This has been the track record. God has just moved ahead of us. He said, would you come help us build our English service? And he goes, do you know anything about small groups? We're starting those. And we're like, well, that's an intense road to go down, but we could, we could maybe talk about it. And, and they welcomed us in, and, and the home church there, the Sawyers, the Lollies, the Jensen's, I just want to commend you guys for your prayer and your faith. And I believe this is an answer 
to God's heart for you guys. And I believe it's an answer for us because I have not had this much anticipation in a long time. I believe we're going to be invited to a new realm of humility. I said to Dieter, I know nothing about your culture. (laughs) You're going to have to teach me. I said, we're coming as learners and servants. Like, don't ask for anything else. Like, we know nothing. Would you help us? He was so honoring and excited to to bring us in. And he said, in fact, I think we have a slide. He said, in fact, the first thing we want to do is, would you please have a joint service with us right off the bat? So February 2nd, we're having a full bilingual joint gathering to worship the Lord together, like as our here we come, we're coming in. So I'm really, really excited about what God's going to do. Our home church has already decided that they're going to participate in the English service at times and help them build that and encourage that. And he originally said, come in at 11 a.m. And I said, that's going to be really weird. We're going to have several hundred people one week, and then you're going to be back to 30 the next. And then several hundred, I was like, we want to build your church, not like overtake it with a gringo invasion, you know? (laughs) I said, we're far too white. We apologize right now. And, um, and I, I'm serious about that. I, I just, and, and so we said, man, God, what do we do? And we all began to pray, and we felt the Lord say, I've actually intended that you meet on Saturday nights to serve them. I want you to give up Sundays for a season. I want you to meet every other Saturday night. He said, it'll play to your advantage because there's more space to be in my presence. And so Saturday's at four. We're going to give you a schedule at the end. You can look at all of that, but February 2nd will be our first one. February 15th, the second one. So I wanted to share that news with you. How's that sound? La Fe and Yesu Cristo. In the heart, 15th and Central, in the heart of KCK. And I could not be more excited. I have um, the rest of this message on 2020. Like I said, I believe that the call of the Lord is, is reviving the church for awakening in the culture. And um, I've probably gone far too slow on the beginning part, but I wanted to take time to rehearse. How are we doing? We all right so far? Yeah. You with me? That wasn't a huge response, but okay. I know you love me. Thank you. Romans chapter 8 is a passage the Lord put on my heart. It's a very well-known one. Um, But I believe in Romans 8 is a description of everything God has provided for revival and awakening. It says, God sent his own son to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law for us because we were unable. He lived the life we could not live. There's no condemnation. He's died for you. You are fully forgiven no matter what you've done. Is that not amazing news? There's nothing you can do so shameful that you're not already forgiven. He loves you. He already decided to be bloodied, suffer, and crucified on a cross because you're forgiven. Oh, what a God. 
You're not only forgiven, you are freed by the Holy Spirit. Those who put their trust in the Spirit to walk according to the Spirit, it says they are freed to live in life and peace. So he not only sent his son to fulfill the requirements of the law, he sent his spirit to bring resurrection life into your being. Life and peace. The spirit that brings adoption as children. You are no longer your performance. You are loved by God. Beloved sons and daughters of the Father, you can't mess this up. There's no pressure. He's done everything we could not do. This is the gospel of grace. He loves you because he loves you because he loves you. And he's giving you his very spirit to release in you all that Christ has done. You're a co-heir with Jesus, it says. Is this not good news? Not just that you're forgiven from sin, but you're a son or a daughter of the living God forever. This is the good news. You're not just neutral in God's heart. You are his burning affection and passion. And he sealed you on the inside with the Holy Spirit to relay it to your spirit, the scripture says. And then it takes you into three groans. Three groans. There's the groan of creation or the culture. There's the groan of the church. And there's the groan of the spirit. And I believe that at the intersection of these three groans is born revival and awakening. I want to speak a little bit about these three groans Romans 8.22 says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth. Subjected to futility, stuck in bondage, it says. Culture groans. Global instability. How, how many of you turned on the news yesterday and the day before and the the most largely tweeted word is World War III in this hour. As we have a president who posts an American flag and we have contention in the Middle East as an assassination has happened, taking out. Our friends in Lebanon are there in the middle saying it's never been like this before as the Hezbollah stirs up. There's global instability. Wars and rumors of wars. Great and tragic famine. Refugees. The Rohingya people that the Katos are amongst. One million in Bangladesh right now. One million refugees persecuted and driven out. Global instability. Political polarization like we have never seen. I just want to run and hide from the 2020 election. But we can't. It's actually time to not choose political partisan sides, but to stand as a voice in the kingdom of heaven and say we refuse to give up our fellowship over something as trite and idolatrous as political partisan politics. We refuse it. 
extremism on the left, extremism on the right, but preparers of the way will come right down the middle if we don't give up our voice over such nonsense. Our hopes for the kingdom of God are not pinned to political parties. There is a king on a throne, and he is not shaken by Democrats or Republicans or anyone else. And it's not just our nation. Across the world, political polarization, fundamentalism, extremism. There's the cry of mental illness all around us in this very body. Anxiety is a disease of our age. And yet culture's somehow crying out for Jesus as Kanye West comes and Justin Bieber comes. What is going on? I mean, this is a bizarre time to live, folks. There is a cultural groan. There is a deep pain There is sexual perversion and distortion like we've never seen. Utter confusion. There's socioeconomic disparity. There's racial inequity. Every day, my daily drive is down a road that separates our city in half, 98% and 2%. 98% and 2%. This cannot be the story of a city that has so many followers of Jesus any longer. Every day I drive it, the name is truce, and it means comfort, healing. That is what truce means. Heal the divide God, right? Do you hear the groan of the culture? And it's, it's there, it's everywhere. The confusion, the anger, the pain. It's not just macro, it's micro. Have you heard the pain of your neighbors? your co-workers. When Jesus saw the multitudes, he, he was moved with compassion for they were like sheep without a shepherd. Let us hear the groan of culture and let us lead us to a bleeding, broken, contrite, compassionate heart. It is time to feel the groan of the culture. They are crying out for the one that they were created by and for. But it is so easy to react to the culture or hide from the culture. But Jesus has called us to listen to the culture and to feel the groan of the culture and to even create culture as the believers in Jesus. We are going to pray like never before in 2020, folks. But please hear me when I say, we cannot just pray. We must become the answers of our prayer. We must be culture creators, not just culture reactors or those who hide from the culture, who are scared of the culture. Our gospel is not hold on for dear life until he comes again. Our gospel is I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Yeah? We've got to feel the groan of the culture. And I believe 
We're going to step into equipping our people in every sphere in this year like never before. That is in the heart of God. Culture creators, not just culture reactors. It is our creation mandate to create culture with God at the center. When we hear the groan of culture, we're aimed ultimately at awakening. Not just the reviving of the church, but the awakening until his presence saturates everywhere in every situation. If you've read about it in the scripture or you've read about it in history, when God moves in spiritual awakening, the only topic is Jesus everywhere because the presence of God has pervaded everything. Colossians 1 says our gospel is, he shall be preeminent in everything and reconcile everything. The creator of all is the redeemer of all, and he shall be supreme in all. Jesus is Lord, is our only declaration. And he's not just the Lord of these nice, pewed buildings. He is the Lord of all of life. And this is the longing of the Spirit of God in creation. Next groan is the groan of the church. It says in Romans 8.23, not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly. Not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly. Everywhere I go amongst the church, I hear this groan, there must be more than this. There must be more than this. When you read Jesus and the book of Acts, you see normal. If our normal doesn't look like Jesus and the book of Acts, we get to change our mind and cry out to God. If there's anything that's normal to us that is not normal to Jesus' life in the book of Acts, we get to change our mind and cry out to God. Right now, what is normal to us is people are not getting healed. Right now, what is normal to us is not many are coming to know Jesus, but some are. Thank you, God. But not every day. <laughs> If there's anything that we read about that is not in our norm, we get to cry out to God. And I hear this groan in the church, this groan of there must be more than this. At the turn of the millennium, God began to pour his spirit out, 98, 99. And people all around the world began to cry out to God. Pete Gregg and a few funky friends Start a little prayer room that has spread to half of the nations of the world. 20 years of nonstop prayer. Movements of prayer like the Global Day of Prayer went to every nation in the world. Unprecedented prayer movements began to break out in developing nations across the world. Even in our city, for 20 years, IHOP has cried out day and night. But the Catholics have cried out for 30 years in night and day adoration. We ourselves have been in rhythms of prayer, asking for God to move for the last almost 15 years. You could say that we are living right now in the most unprecedented prayer movement in human history. 
20 years the bulls have been filling up. We ourselves groan. When we feel the groan of the culture, the church begins to groan to God. Come, Lord Jesus. The spirit and the bride say, come, Lord Jesus. Why this prayer movement? Because the spirit and the bride say, come, Lord Jesus. For 20 years, we've been praying, asking God to move. I experienced the Holy Spirit in that same period of time, 1998, around the turn of the millennium, July 5th, I was 17. God poured his spirit out on me so radically, I could never be the same. The very first night of following Jesus, I started laying my hands on people. They started falling down left and right all over. I, I did not know what was going on with my hands. I was a 17-year-old kid with acne. People were encountering God all over the place. There was hundreds of bodies all over the room. The first night I was following Jesus, I read the book of Acts. I go, well, it seems normal. Great. Like all the stuff. I'm praying in different languages. People are encountering God. They're weeping and crying. They're giving their lives to Jesus. This seems all perfectly normal. I didn't realize this insatiable hunger began to grip me. I'm telling you, I would stay up late and I would start writing and writing until they would turn into scribble and it would turn into groans and I would fall on the ground and I would weep. I'm 17, I'm in my bedroom and the uncontrollable longing of God is coming over me. I'm going to my school every day early for an hour or more and I'm asking God to move in power. I'm having kids come over to my house and they said, lead a Bible study. I was like, I've never let, read the Bible before. So we would say, come Holy Spirit. And God, we begin to move in powers. My dad knelt in the corner of the room. I was born in revival and I didn't even know it. I thought it was normal. It's only when you don't experience that anymore that you realize, wait a second, what in the world? But once you taste, I'm talking I would wake up in the morning and I would seek his face. I would get home from school. I'm a senior in high school. I would go into a closet for hours, sometimes more, and the presence of the Lord would visit me. I, every single night, I quit my sports team so I could hold prayer meetings. I was insane. I was a bit overwhelming for people, that's for sure. Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, all I did was worship and pray with my friends. I thought it was fun. Can you believe that? Nobody told me to do it. I wasn't even a part of a church. But once you taste that, something ruins you for anything else than the presence of God. I did nothing to earn that or deserve that. I know there's people in this room that have prayed all their lives for even one moment like that. And I just want to tell you, I don't know what to tell you. I long for that for you as well. I did nothing to earn that, but I'm telling you, God chose that for me to experience the presence of God, the enjoyable, insane presence of God. And once you touch his presence, nothing can satisfy you with that. And that is the third groaning. I mean, listen to the groan of the Spirit. This is so 
powerful, this groan of the Spirit. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This This whole movement of people coming from death to life, it is not sustained on Adam Cox's zeal. That's what I had to figure out within about a year. And it's not sustained on our good ideas. Man, the church in the Western world, we can pull off some crazy stuff with production. But we cannot transform the human heart. Only the very presence of God and the Holy Spirit can do that. And I don't, if you've noticed, we don't, we don't want anything else than that. The, the longing of the Spirit, the groaning of the Spirit is actually what sustains it. We can hear the groan of the culture and the church begins to acknowledge we don't have what it takes. I don't know if you're there, but I'm kind of like, unless it's God, nothing else will matter. Unless God comes, that's my simple plea. Like, God, I know you're here, but somehow in Scripture we read that you're always here and you come. Go figure it out. Good luck. Without more of your presence, God, what I love about the groan of the Spirit, it is waiting for everyone who sucks at prayer. Is that not the best news ever? It is waiting for any person that will acknowledge they're utterly weak and have no clue what to do. The groan of the Spirit is reserved for the humble. Isn't that wonderful? The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Go ahead if you want to be strong, but you don't get helped. He prays through those who don't know how to pray. If you think you can pray, go for it. But the Spirit will groan through those who don't know how to pray. Isn't this good news? There is a groan in the Spirit. I can hear it in Kansas City. What if... We did not harden our heart to the groan of the culture. And we did not suppress even the groan that's in our own life. And what if we would not callous our heart to the groan of the Spirit, but we would acknowledge humility and enter into our inability to pray so that someone who knows the very will of God could pray through us? What would it look like for a people to be utterly consumed by the groan of the Spirit who actually knows and can bring forth the will of God? What would it look like to pray like that as a people? I think this is the preparing of the way. We're hearing the groan of the Spirit in Kansas City say, I want my church back. I want my church back. The Lord spoke to my heart very personally and said, Adam, Your bride is in pain. And my bride is in pain. 
Psalm 57, 7 and 8, go awake my glory, my bride is my glory. He wants all of his bride back. And you and I are his bride. He doesn't want part of us. He wants all of us. He wants to awaken all of us in every one of us, all that is in us. I can feel the groan of the Spirit. There's this profound place in the Scripture, in Isaiah. And it says, for a long time, God has stayed silent. But he is stirring up his zeal like a mighty man. And like a woman in childbirth, he will be silent no longer. He will gasp and pant and lay waste mountains. I can feel him shaking everything that can be shaken so only the kingdom of God remains. This is his kindness and his jealousy. I want my church back. He is so kind to come and invite, will you give me everything within you? I want to look at just this next quote. Revival and awakening are born at the intersection of these three groans in humble, praying hearts that prepare the way. If you will not callous your heart to any one of these groans, but stand in the center of these groans, I believe right there, in that humility, in that posture of prayer, that awakening revival is born. Throughout history, he just looks for a people. I have so many stories, and I'm out of time to tell them pretty much. But that's the heartbeat of awakening and prayer. God is looking for a dwelling place. I want to read this, Isaiah 57. Revival and prayer, revival and awakening, the people that prepare the way are known by two supreme qualities, humility and prayer. I asked a guy named George Otis Jr. who studied global revival for decades and decades, I said, what do you see? He said, I looked and I looked for the common denominators of revival and awakening. He said, I looked, was it racial? Was it economic? Was it gender-based? Was it geographical? He said, I literally was agonizing day and night. I couldn't find the common denominator. And he said, one day it hit me between the eyes, the most obvious thing. I should have known it. He said, the only common denominator to all historic moves of the spirit of a revival and awakening are humility. Humility. Listen to this. It shall be said, build up, build up, prepare the way, remove every obstruction from my people's way. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. Check this guy out. He's high and holy. He goes, I dwell in the high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly, to revive the heart of the contrite. The high and holy one hangs out with the humble and lowly people. My greatest prayer for Nava and my greatest prayer for me is that we would be the happiest place God ever lived. I want God, that's what our name means, Nava, for God to find rest, to come to home. 
I want God to have a dwelling place of zero resistance in all of our hearts, in our everyday lives. I want to host God so much for his own enjoyment. God's been taking this awakening thing a little bit literal. He's been waking me up in the middle of the night just because he wants to talk to me. His presence is available. Yes, I want to see the renewal of culture. I want to see depression broken. I want to see the sick healed. I want to see the flourishing creating of culture in every sphere of society. I want to see racial inequity made right in our city. But you know what I want more than all of that? I want to be the hosting friend of God for his own joy. I want to give him the happiest place he ever lived in my being with one simple word, yes, God, yes, yes, yes. Dwell here, yes. 2020, will your word be yes? Now, friends, in January and February, we're going to go into the prayer course. It's, it's incredible. All of our home churches are going through the prayer course. But 20-minute videos cannot get you what I'm talking about. Do them, amen. But there's a longing, a groaning in your body right now. If you'll just listen, the Spirit's longing will come up in you. Something beyond what you've dreamed. We're going to make more time for prayer than we have. God spoke and he said, during Lent, I want all of Nava to fast. Now, fast if you want, but we're, we're calling a fast for all of Lent. And here's the fun of it. When you fast, it's way more fun to pray. So he said, I want every Friday night in Lent to be Friday night fire. So just gather every Friday night and just welcome me as fire. You've known me as a cloud that covers you and protects you. Now I want to show you the fire in the night. There's a pillar of fire in the wilderness, not just a cloud. So at La Fe, and I'm so excited it's there because I think our Latino brothers and sisters are going to take this to a whole nother level. We are going to call forth Friday night fire every Friday night in Lent. And you know what? It's okay if you come or don't come, but I believe he's calling the hungry. I would love to have our whole family there. Bring your children. I want our children. Here's the deal, guys. This is super vulnerable because everything I'm reading about, everything I've been praying for since I was 17, I may or may not see it in my lifetime, but guess what? Nothing, not one prayer, not one moment of faith will be wasted because we are sowing it like a seed and generations will reap it. I want my children to grow up not in boring religion, but in revival and awakening so God is more real to them than the breath they breathe and the ground they stand on. So bring your children into Friday night fire. Saturday nights will teach on spiritual awakening and Friday nights will welcome it. Amen? God has plans. I have been reading hundreds and hundreds of pages. Worship team, will you come up? On revival and awakening. It is frustrating. It is. I see all the unhealth that happened and yet, I can hardly believe the stories I'm reading. Evan Roberts, a 12-year-old, prays for 13 years. God visiting. 
He was working in a mine from 12. He was praying, rehearsing scriptures. He said he would miss meals. He said, I gave myself night and day to the reading, the praying, the rehearsing, the imagining of revival more than an athlete trains for his sport. He trained himself to ask for the Holy Spirit to be poured out on him and on Wales in 1904. And that revival went around the world. Every single household, village, train, ships were coming in. People were repenting of their sin before they could get to the harbor. I'm talking a pervasive presence of God. And I go, could that happen in Subway or Chick-fil-A? I'm on a fast right now. Anyways, that's not good to meditate on. But The presence of God. What does he have for us? What I believe is that we can't make it happen. All we can do is be humble and pray. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will heal their land. I wanna wait for a moment on whatever, I don't have a fancy response. Is that okay? I just want the presence of God. And I believe the doorway to the presence of God is your yes. You alone can open the door to the Lord. My cry is this, prepare a way in me so that I can prepare a way for you. Nava, we're on a special journey in this city to prepare the way of the Lord. Other churches are as well. Right now, 21 churches are in night and day prayer in Johnson County. Right now, City of Truth on the east side is in a 21-day fast. We're not alone in this. Right now, IHOP still not stop praying. Okay, but man, humble and pray. Prepare a way in me that you can prepare a way through me in 2020. So I wanna wait on the presence of the Lord and we're just gonna discern what he wants to do. Is that okay? So if you can close your eyes, I wanna just start to welcome the presence of God.